and welcome to this week's Shoot the Moon podcast, broadcasting live and direct from Revenue Rocket World Headquarters in Wilmington, Minnesota. As you know, Revenue Rocket is the world's premier growth strategy and M&E advisor for IT services companies. With me today are my partners, Ryan Barnett and Matt Lockhart. Welcome, gentlemen. Good to be with you. It is Minnesota State Hockey Tournament time, and so... You know, for those of you who aren't in the know, the Minnesota State Hockey Tournament is the kind of the premier youth state high school hockey tournament in the in the country, right? And it's you know kind of think Texas football, Indiana basketball. So, you know, productivity here in Minnesota may be taking a little bit of dip for the next couple of days. Yeah, and with all like all good uh, hockey tournaments, we're getting snow. It seems to happen during these tournaments, and as I learned last night, you know this tournament attracts over a hundred thousand spectators. So pretty amazing stuff. Well, the rumor is, guys, that both of you have been working on your hockey hair flow. So I can't wait for the day to to see what you've been going and and uh, the approach that you're going to take the camera today. Uh, we're gonna. Switch gears a little bit, and we, uh, we're we big proponents on uh, the strategy side of the house. And, and if you think about our business, uh, a lot of our work is done with companies to help them grow, whether inorganically or organically. And part of the areas in which we push clients is to take a look at a being an expert in a vertical market. And we, what we want to do is break that down a little bit about what verticalization means to a company and why it matters and ultimately what that means in terms of a potential M&A deal. So uh, I'll just start out on the basic question here and Mike help us understand what you know, what is a vertical market approach and, and why does it matter to an IT services company? Yeah so you know verticalization is really about being the master of a of a market. Uh, you know you could pick and define how narrow or wide that market is, but it, but it's an industry market typically. Let's say it could be hospitality, maybe with a nuance of, you know, lodging and hotel or, you know, leisure travel or it could engineering focused firms. It could be any sort of industry vertical a segment from which you can apply your technology expertise. And so, you know, there's oftentimes firms that focus on accounting firms or legal or you know, I'm going to walk down a long list, but what we see with all of the firms that we've worked with that verticalize uh, and essentially focus their energy at a market with their technology chops is that they tend to outperform those that don't. And when I say outperform, they tend to grow faster and they tend to be at a much higher profit level than those that don't. And we can unpack that more in this podcast as we move forward. Um, why that is, but it's certainly we see a repeat pattern between firms that are verticalized versus those that don't. If a firm is looking to verticalize, how do they start to do this? Matt, I'd love to hear you a little bit on understanding that core concept of evaluating the customers or identifying the market need. How do you make that switch and taking a look at the vertical market? I think a lot of firms, you know, start in a non-verticalized 
right approach. So, you know, let's sort of put it into that context of a firm that has been maybe more of a generalist from an industry perspective. And oftentimes what happens is just naturally their business starts to seem a bit more concentrated. For example, they may be working in insurance, right, for a, a large insurance provider. And, you know, because of that case study, their uh, name is known and or they may be at an industry conference and they pick up some more business within that vertical. And so you can take a bit of a stepping stone approach and start with marketing your capabilities within that vertical based upon your past experience. And then you can take a step forward and you can be targeting in your ideal prospect list, right? Your, your ideal target, you know, list and you're putting more concentration within that space. And then you can step in even further and you can start to hire leaders within that vertical space. And then you can start to build, you know, some intellectual property. It could be in the form of process. It could be in the form of market approaches that win within that vertical. And you can start to, to build that intellectual property. Oftentimes what you will see is, is then you turn that intellectual property sort of process or knowledge intellectual property into repeatable forms of intellectual property that makes you more attractive, allows you to demonstrate uh, competitive advantage, being able to get to market faster with technical solutions and so on and so forth. It's really sort of raising up the value equation that you provide to that particular vertical. But, you know, that's a, that's a journey in and of itself and, and being able to, to start, you know, with the marketing and sales capabilities and demonstrating to prospects and customers that you're getting more and more intimate, that you're understanding that, that your business is, I think, really a practical way to lead into a vertical approach. Dad here that uh, if you're looking at your customer base, you can start to see it's oftentimes you'll see a trend and to group a number of problems or a number of companies that are similar together can be the first indication that you perhaps already have a vertical market strategy, but you're not necessarily marketing to that strategy. Uh, oftentimes we see resistance from firms to to pick one market. And and Mike, I think that's in, in most engagements we work on, uh why why does why is there a resistance to to picking one market or to narrowing down? It has to do with fear, I think, Ryan, uh to kind of cut to the chase. I think People are afraid that if they focus on one market, that if they get a call from someone where they can do work and maybe they're not in their market, they might have to say no to that, that company. Or there's fear that, you know, if that market goes through some tumult, that it'll upend their business. Uh, it'll, it'll be a huge negative impact on their business. And, you know, a lot of these fears aren't really founded in fact. The other thing I think that's interesting is that it has a lot to do with how they run the business today. So 
if you run a business that's more horizontal with a great technical expertise that you're delivering to the marketplace, those businesses are pretty hard to market because it, you, you, you can certainly say you're great technically uh, to the market, but, you know, that's kind of table stakes for all, almost every client. Um, the clients want someone who's an expert in their industry and the technology. That's what they're really looking for. Um, and so at the end of the day, I think companies that tend to be more horizontally aligned tend to react um, and not proact when it comes to coming to new customers, meaning they they tend to wait for the phone to ring or to get an email, or maybe they're even leveraging a very proactive sales organization that is, you know, through personal heroics doing great stuff, right? They're out um, building relationships and, and uh, you know, talking to folks about their needs and then crafting a solution for them. And I don't want to minimize any of those things. Those are all things that are great and certainly need to be done. Um, but there's a big amount of opportunity that's left on the table by not being proactive. And it's very challenging to be super proactive if you can't have an effective marketing function in the business. So your ability to narrow the target um, to one that you can shoot with a rifle versus a shotgun allows your marketing spend to be much, much more impactful and ultimately create leads for you. And that allows you to be much more proactive about carving out your niche and eliminating competition in the market. And I think when I mentioned earlier about how companies tend to grow faster and they tend to be more profitable if they're verticalized, I think that's predominantly due to those reasons, right? They have less competition. So there's less price pressure. They tend to have the ability to know the market to a point where they can be much more knowledgeable and win more often. And they can, you know, do better work, right? One that uh, work that tends to be uh, more valuable to the client or they can get a greater share of wallet. Just to add on in the, the marketing perspective, many firms, when they start on a marketing journey, they try to cover kind of absolutely every base. And in reality, if you start to look like you can do everything for everyone, you kind of become, you really are doing almost nothing for no one. And to start to narrow down and to to look at the compelling reasons to buy and the pains of an industry, uh, it really helps the marketing accelerate. So you can start to tap into the the target markets and lists that are very approachable comparing to try to target everyone in the world. So the really the ease of marketing becomes exponentially uh, more when the vertical becomes defined and you have commitment in, into that vertical. Uh, so long-term gains, uh, easier marketing, those are all those are all really powerful items. In addition to what Matt had mentioned earlier around the additional intellectual property and the intellectual delivery capabilities and the client trust uh, that that Mike was just talking about. I'd love to understand how if a company has a vertical market approach, we see a lot of favorability from channel partners. For example, Microsoft has has developed a lot of its channel partners to be vertical specific, but it also seems to have an impact on valuation. Uh, I'd love to understand why does having a vertical market approach, what's what's the difference when it comes to an M&A deal? And uh, uh, Matt, maybe if you want to start us off and Mike, you can follow on. 
a variety of reasons, right? To, to Mike's point, they tend to be more profitable. Um, more profitable is always good uh, in terms of, of being attractive uh, to an acquirer. Oftentimes, larger firms or firms that are, are in an acquisitive mode see the opportunity to capture a new market. So they, they recognize that the, the expertise of a firm with, with a vertical play is an enabler for faster growth for an, for an acquirer. And being, I think that your point around being recognized within those big channels, the big cloud players who who are all taking a vertical market approach is in symmetry to faster growth and greater recognition within that space. So, you know, I mean, shoot, guys, we, you know, we know that we've just completed in the last 12 months, like four deals with firms that, that we were fortunate enough to provide our sell side uh, services towards that did demonstrate a vertical expertise. And in every one of those opportunities, they traded at a higher multiple than uh, those that uh, didn't have a vertical approach that the acquiring firms recognized that that these firms were going to be, it was the opportunity for a one plus one equals, you know, four, five, or six. So, you know, we're seeing it in, in reality that they are, you know, simply much more attractive. Now, um, in, in every one of these cases, it's not as though those firms didn't do work outside of one primary vertical. They all did. Right. And and so dispelling this fear that you're not going to be able to work beyond a particular vertical, you know, it's, it's just not reality. However, a large percentage and in most of these cases, a majority of the business was within, you know, one one vertical. So, you know, our experience bears it out. Uh, the data bears it out. And it's just a great strategy. Yeah, I would add also, Matt, that, you know, a couple observations about that. For companies that are verticalized, and I think you bring up a good point, which is it doesn't mean you're not doing work outside of that vertical. We, what we found sort of anecdotally over the last 22 years or so is that companies that are verticalized actually, you know, as they kind of align to the vertical, get great velocity in their sort of marketing and sales pipelines, and that even enhances their ability to close business outside of the vertical. They tend to streamline those processes and it helps them execute much more effectively on the sort of marketing and sales mandate, uh, as well as extend a much broader net into that vertical so that their re referrals and word of mouth uh, tend to go up uh, for even things that are outside of the vertical. So it's sort of a fascinating development uh, as they move into market. The other point I wanted to make was that when we think about buyers, Usually companies that are verticalized will bring what we consider to be non-traditional buyers to the table, which creates more competition, which ultimately does drive up value as well. Uh, these might be software companies, for example, that are pure play that are looking for a services extension in a vertical that they focus on. Or it could be even a, a non-tech company that's aligned to that vertical in some sort of adjacency. We've certainly seen that that come to bear and say, wait, you know, we supply an industry like dental or hospitality 
and do nothing with tech, but we want to have a, you know, tech footprint where we can get a one plus one or equals three or a four. And I, I wouldn't, you know, dismiss that as being very, very material and significant because many of these companies tend to be larger or they tend to be around a longer amount of time and have, you know, quite a bit of access to resources in order to facilitate these deals. And many of them sort of run towards that tech if it's within their domain where they can certainly see leverage and opportunities for cross-sell and upsell as well. I would say that in an M&A transaction, if a company has a specific vertical market focus, uh, there could be a chance that the buyer is just not in that market. Uh, Mike, you brought up a great example of, of dental. Uh, there might be a healthcare-specific firm that really loves everything in healthcare, but hates dental. And, and I think that goes with the flow and understanding. Ultimately, that's not going to be the right strategic fit. And uh, you can work with buyers that will uh, find you to be much more captivating to their their audience, and, and it will be a, a better match when those vertical markets align. Or alternatively, you're bringing a new vertical market approach to a company that doesn't have that isn't in that vertical market today that would like to be in it somebody sort of used this analogy it's like it's like hunting with a rifle versus a shotgun and i think that that applies in in the vertical go-to-market approach but it also applies in the context of finding the right fits um, in an m a transaction that enabling that awesome strategic fit, which is, you know, oftentimes one of the most important parts of any transaction is a lot easier when there's, when there is that for focus that's applied, that focus with a rifle, if you will. Well said. Mike, Matt, uh, those, are, those are the questions I had today. Uh, any, any closing thoughts? Matt, I'll throw it over to you and uh, go to Mike from there. No, I think great topic. We would love to talk more. If 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 those of you listeners out there, you know, react and are like, ah, nah, we'd love to talk to you, right? And or firms that have considered it, have tried it, are looking for more effective approaches, would be happy to share our experience and and our method because we've got a very repeatable playbook that can help firms get there. So great topic. Love it, guys. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, I, I don't have a bunch more to add other than certainly lean in on this idea. I think it will certainly help eliminate competition in your business, uh, help you grow faster and be more profitable. And who doesn't want to do all that? Uh, not to mention add uh, a higher multiple at the time of a transaction should you be a seller. We think all that is good stuff. So with that, we're going to tie a ribbon on it for this week here at Revenue Rocket on the Shoot the Moon podcast. I'd encourage you guys to tune in next week where we unpack and explore other and interesting new ways to grow your business and or to facilitate M&A transactions. With that, make it a great week. Take care.